0: Chapter Thirty-Three of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains, by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Gloomy council, exploring parties, discouraging reports, disastrous experiment, detachments in quest of succor, caches—how made? Return of one of the detachments, unsuccessful. Further disappointments the devil's scuttle-hole mr hunt and his companions encamped upon the borders of the caldron lynn and held gloomy council as to their future course the recent wreck had dismayed even the voyageurs and the fate of their popular comrade capin one of the most adroit and experienced of their fraternity had struck sorrow to their hearts for with all their levity these thoughtless beings have great kindness towards each other. The whole distance they had navigated since leaving Henry's fort was computed to be about three hundred and forty miles. Strong apprehensions were now entertained that the tremendous impediments before them would oblige them to abandon their canoes. It was determined to send exploring parties on each side of the river to ascertain whether it was possible to navigate it further accordingly on the following morning three men were dispatched along the south bank while mr hunt and three others proceeded along the north the two parties returned after a weary scramble among swamps rocks and precipices and with very disheartening accounts for nearly forty miles that they had explored the river foamed and roared along through a deep and narrow channel from twenty to thirty yards wide which it had worn in the course of ages through the heart of a barren rocky country the precipices on each side were often two and three hundred feet high sometimes perpendicular and sometimes overhanging so that it was impossible excepting in one or two places, to get down to the margin of the stream. This dreary strait was rendered the more dangerous by frequent rapids, and occasionally perpendicular falls, from ten to forty feet in height, so that it seemed almost hopeless to attempt to pass the canoes down it. The party, however, who had explored the south side of the river, had found a place, about six miles from the camp, where they thought it possible the canoes might be carried down the bank and launched upon the stream and from whence they might make their way with the aid of occasional portages four of the best canoes were accordingly selected for the experiment and were transported to the place on the shoulders of sixteen of the men at the same time mr reed the clerk and three men were detached to explore the river still further down than the previous scouting parties had been and at the same time to look out for indians from whom provisions might be obtained and a supply of horses should it be found necessary to proceed by land the party who had been sent with the canoes returned on the following day weary and dejected one of the canoes had been swept away with all the weapons and effects of four of the voyageurs in attempting to pass it down a rapid by means of a line the other three had stuck fast among the rocks so that it was impossible to move them the men returned therefore in despair and declared the river unnavigable the situation of the unfortunate travellers was now gloomy in the extreme they were in the heart of an unknown wilderness untraversed as yet by a white man they were at a loss what route to take and how far they were from the ultimate place of their destination nor could they meet in these uninhabited wilds with any human being to give them information the repeated accidents to their canoes had reduced their stock of provisions to five days allowance and there was now every appearance of soon having famine added to their other sufferings this last circumstance rendered it more perilous to keep together than to separate accordingly after a little anxious but bewildered counsel it was determined that several small detachments should start off in different directions headed by the several partners should any of them succeed in falling in with friendly indians within a reasonable distance and obtaining a supply of provisions and horses they were to return to the aid of the main body otherwise they were to shift for themselves and shape their course according to circumstances keeping the mouth of the columbia river as the ultimate point of their wayfaring accordingly three several parties set off from the camp at cauldron lynn in opposite directions mr mcclellan with three men kept down along the bank of the river mr crookes with five others turned their steps up it retracing by land the weary course they had made by water intending should they not find relief nearer at hand to keep on until they should reach henry's fort where they hoped to find the horses they had left there and to return with them to the main body the third party composed of five men was headed by mr mackenzie who struck to the northward across the desert plains in hopes of coming upon the main stream of the columbia having seen these three adventurous bands depart upon their forlorn expeditions mr hunt turned his thoughts to provide for the subsistence of the main body left to his charge and to prepare for their future march there remained with him thirty-one men besides the squaw and two children of pierre dorion there was no game to be met with in the neighbourhood but beavers were occasionally trapped about the river banks which afforded a scanty supply of food in the meantime they comforted themselves that some one or other of the foraging detachments would be successful and return with relief mr hunt now set to work with all diligence to prepare caches in which to deposit the baggage and merchandise of which it would be necessary to disburden themselves preparatory to the weary march by land and here we shall give a brief description of those contrivances so noted in the wilderness a cache is a term common among traders and hunters to designate a hiding-place for provisions and effects it is derived from the french word "cacher to conceal and originated among the early colonists of canada and louisiana but the secret depository which it designates was in use among the aboriginals long before the intrusion of the white men it is in fact the only mode that migratory hordes have of preserving their valuables from robbery during their long absences from their village or accustomed haunts or hunting expeditions or during the vicissitudes of war the utmost skill and caution are required to render these places of concealment invisible to the lynx eye of an indian the first care is to seek out a proper situation which is generally some dry low bank of clay on the margin of a watercourse as soon as the precise spot is pitched upon blankets saddle-cloths and other coverings are spread over the surrounding grass and bushes to prevent foot-tracks or any other derangement and as few hands as possible are employed a circle of about two feet in diameter is then nicely cut in the sod which is carefully removed with the loose soil immediately beneath it and laid aside in a place where it will be safe from anything that may change its appearance The uncovered area is then digged perpendicularly to the depth of about three feet, and is then gradually widened so as to form a conical chamber six or seven feet deep. The whole of the earth displaced by this process, being of a different color from that on the surface, is handed up in a vessel and heaped into a skin or cloth, in which it is conveyed to the stream and thrown into the midst of the current, that it may be entirely carried off, should the cache not be formed in the vicinity of a stream the earth thus thrown up is carried to a distance and scattered in such manner as not to leave the minutest trace the cave being formed is well lined with dry grass bark sticks and poles and occasionally a dried hide the property intended to be hidden is then laid in after having been well aired a hide is spread over it and dried grass brush and stones thrown in and trampled down until the pit is filled to the neck the loose soil which had been put aside is then brought and rammed down firmly to prevent its caving in and is frequently sprinkled with water to destroy the scent lest the wolves and bears should be attracted to the place and root up the concealed treasure when the neck of the cache is nearly level with the surrounding surface the sod is again fitted in with the utmost exactness and any bushes stalks or stones that may have originally been about the spot are restored to their former places the blankets and other coverings are then removed from the surrounding herbage all tracks are obliterated the grass is gently raised by the hand to its natural position and the minutest chip or straw is scrupulously gleaned up and thrown into the stream after all this is done the place is abandoned for the night and if all be right next morning is not visited again until there be a necessity for reopening the cache four men are sufficient in this way to conceal the amount of three tons weight of merchandise in the course of two days nine caches were required to contain the goods and baggage which mr hunt found it necessary to leave at this place three days had been thus employed since the departure of the several detachments when that of mr crookes unexpectedly made its appearance a momentary joy was diffused through the camp for they supposed succour to be at hand it was soon dispelled mr crookes and his companions had been completely disheartened by this retrograde march through a bleak and barren country and had found computing from their progress and accumulating difficulties besetting every step that it would be impossible to reach henry sport and return to the main body in the course of the winter They had determined therefore to rejoin their comrades and share their lot. One avenue of hope was thus closed upon the anxious sojourners at the Cauldron Lynn. Their main expectation of relief was now from the two parties under Reed and McClellan, which had proceeded down the river, for as to Mr. Mackenzie's detachment which had struck across the plains, they thought it would have sufficient difficulty in struggling forward through the trackless wilderness for five days they continued to support themselves by trapping and fishing some fish of tolerable size were speared at night by the light of cedar torches others that were very small were caught in nets with fine meshes the product of their fishing however was very scanty their trapping was also precarious and the tails and bellies of the beavers were dried and put by for the journey at length two of the companions of mr reed returned and were hailed with the most anxious eagerness their report served but to increase the general despondency they had followed mr reed for some distance below the point to which mr hunt had explored but had met with no indians from whom to obtain information and relief the river still presented the same furious aspect brawling and boiling along a narrow and rugged channel between rocks that rose like walls a lingering hope which had been indulged by some of the party of proceeding by water was now finally given up the long and terrific strait of the river set all further progress at defiance and in their disgust at the place and their vexation at the disasters sustained there they gave it the indignant though not very decorous, appellation of the Devil's Scuttle-Hole. End of chapter 33